The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. As the children leave for time with children, first kids, I think it's called, let us have a prayer of just us as a congregation as we continue to be with Christ in this time. Lord God, we thank you for being here. We thank you for letting us be here in your presence as your people who worship in this location. We ask that you continue to open our eyes and ears that we may hear what you want us to hear and see that you show us your word wherever we are and be with us in your presence. Let us pray the prayer that our Lord Jesus taught his apostles to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture for today is from Luke 14. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Translation. You know this story. When he, meaning Jesus, noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited there by your hosts. The host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, dis disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be what? Humbled. Oh, I told you, knew it. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. He also said to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon, or dinner, do not invite your friends or brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they might return the favor and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You heard the story. You heard the story. Jesus had been invited to have Sabbath meal at the home of one of the Pharisees. This was not just an ordinary come over for lunch thing. This was Sabbath meal, like we might call somebody coming for Sunday dinner. At one of the Pharisees, one of the Jewish leaders, the Jewish strong people, the Jewish hotshots, you and I, might say, this was a big thing. And normally, people like Jesus from Galilee would not have been invited at all. Some, but as some teacher from Galilee 
Jesus had been invited for a purpose. Mm -hmm. There was a purpose in his being invited for sure. It was a trial. They were watching him like a hawk to see what he said and did there. The Pharisees would have been very happy for Jesus to have just gotten on his little donkey and trotted back to Galilee and left them alone. But since he was not going to do that, they thought they better find out who he was. So they invited him to the home of one of the Pharisees for a meal. As a traveling teacher, it was expected that Jesus give a little lesson. It's kind of like when the preacher comes to your house for lunch, they're expected to do the praying for the meal. Mm -hmm. As a traveling teacher, Jesus was expected to give a little lesson. And he gave a wonderful little lesson about humility. Now, I think that all of the world's major religions have humility as part of their teachings, including Judaism, including Christianity. And that alone is a great sermon. Jesus noticed, however, people coming in to the meal and sitting at the table. Many were breaking their own standards by plopping themselves down at the places of honor without looking to see who else might be there. And Jesus reminded them how foolish that was, that they were truly setting themselves up for some embarrassment if they were told that they needed to move down. And I'm sure that as some people there probably squirmed a little bit. Mm, maybe I shouldn't have sat here after all. But Jesus' message, as Jesus' messages often are, did not stop there. Jesus had a habit of teaching a lesson that people expected, and just as they were beginning to get a little bit comfortable with that, mm -hmm, yeah, that was a nice little sermon, Jesus would bring on the zinger. Time and time again this happened. The zinger that caused his listeners to squirm. The zinger who caused his listeners to be a little anxious sometimes made his listeners a little angry, and we know it did. The zinger that caused them to look within themselves a little deeper than they really wanted to. A zinger that caused them to look a little deeper at the motives that they had in life that sometimes we don't want to admit. The zinger that caused them to look a little harder at their lives and how they lived their lives. Were they living life as God would have them to do? Or were they merely meeting minimum standards? Were they meeting minimum standards that society around them expected them to do? In other words, were they behaving in a way that was okay? It's okay, acceptable. Or were they truly living a way that was suitable for the children of God? It's not always the same, you know. That Sabbath at the house of the Pharisees, Jesus gave the second lesson, the zinger. He said this, 
When you give a luncheon to a, or a dinner, do not invite your friends or brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you and you will be repaid at the time of righteousness. In other words, doing something nice for your friends and relatives is just fine and dandy. Keep doing that. That's fine. That's fine. But don't stop there. Mm -hmm. See, as followers of Jesus, we are called to beyond what is expected of us. Minimum standards are not adequate for Christians. If, I, if you leave here with anything you remember today, remember this. Minimum standards are not adequate for Christians. Amen. Thank you. God and amen. And she was raised Methodist. <laughs> we are called, my friends, to a higher, a higher standards. There's a Latin quote that you quote that you may know, especially those of you who have some history or some contact with legal talk. The expression is quid pro quo. That means something for something. Most of us live, we don't want to admit it, most of us live in a way of quid pro quo. If we do someone a favor, we in the back of our mind, there's always a little thought that if we need help, that they will do us a favor in return. Some of the first words we teach our children are thank you. It's being nice and grateful in return for something that someone does for us. If you open a door for someone, we expect them to say, Thank you. And if they don't, we get our nose bent out of shape. In fact, we expect a little return in gratitude from others whenever we help them in any way. How many times have you heard someone say, well, I'm not helping them anymore because they don't even appreciate it. I've said that, unfortunately. Some of you in here old enough, a lot of you are probably to remember Christmas cards and Christmas card lists. <laughs> Many of our mothers took those seriously. Maybe some of you have too. Where you set out your Christmas cards every year, then if you got a card from someone who you had not sent a card to, you immediately go send that person a card and add their name on the list for next year's. Am I right? Quid pro quo, something for something. And that's the way our society works, and that's fine, but that's only a beginning. As followers of Jesus, we are called to go beyond what is just okay. We are called to go beyond minimum standards because they're not adequate. As Christians, we are called to go beyond a higher standard. Jesus 
basically says, yeah, that quid pro quo thing, that is not going to fly in the kingdom of God. Not going to fly. You are called to a higher level. I'm so very fond, and I know many of you are too, of the building, bed building program that this church started. I'm so grateful to Jack and Charlotte who got that started. We've all benefited from it. Let me see the hands of all those who have built beds out there. Uh-huh, a bunch of you have. And if I ask for the hands of those who have also maybe given some money toward the project, or like I have, maybe gone down and bought sheets or pillowcases or blankets or whatever, my guess is there'd be even more of you that would have participated. I think that is such a great project. And when I do that, and when you do that, my guess is you go home feeling, you know, I've done something important. Makes me feel good. Feel good knowing that I've actually helped somebody. It is a good feeling. But then I hear Jesus in the back of my mind saying this, quit trying to look righteous. He always does it to me. Buy those items not because you're going to be repaid or feel righteous, but because they're needed. Do that construction not because it's needed, although it is, but do that construction because it is needed and you don't want anything paid back. Do you hear the difference? Not so you feel good, although you will, but do it because it's the right thing to do. And that's what we as Christians are called to do. Not because it makes us feel good, especially although it will. Not as a favor that we get paid back, because you surely may not. Not because it makes you feel righteous, because sometimes it will and sometimes it won't. But rather because it is the right thing to do. In the 18th chapter of Matthew, we hear the ever so human Peter. I know one of the Sunday school classes is studying Peter right now. The ever so human Peter who just does all the things that we do. Does good, fine, and then falls right out and asks these dumbest questions. Peter asked Jesus, and he was asking it out of sincerity. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, seven times is a lot. If someone offends you, if someone hurts you, if someone does something bad against you, to forgive that person or that group or that anything seven times, that's a lot. That's a lot of expectations. But Jesus came back with the zinger. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Some of your translations will say 70 times. 70, it depends upon your translation. In other words, stop trying to meet minimum standards and do the right thing. And for goodness sakes, don't think you're always going to get paid back because you forgive. Because most of the time, you will not. Stop counting and forgive. The fifth chapter of Gospel of Matthew says, you have heard it said, you know this, 
You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who have done something wrong to me. He nuts. Again, I hear Jesus saying this, stop counting. Stop counting and start praying. And especially pray for those who have no one to pray for them. Now, why should we do all this for heaven's sakes? That's extra work. Talked about with the children how busy our lives are, the things that we already have going through our minds that we're trying to keep up with all at the same time. That's extra work. That's extra thought. That's extra responsibility. That's extra caring. That's extra energy. We don't have any. It's too hot. When we don't especially care sometimes, and I confess there's times I don't care. If you were honest, I bet you would say the same thing. Sometimes I'm too tired. Sometimes you're too tired. Why on earth does Jesus ask us to go beyond the minimum standards? 1 John chapter 4, 19, we read it a minute ago. We love because he, meaning God, loved us first. I love that scripture. One of my favorites, the one that kind of keeps me going sometimes. We love because he loved us first. Do we deserve it? Heavens, no. Are we always grateful? No. Most of us are a very ungrateful bunch. Do we always listen for the word of the Lord in our lives? No. We really prefer putting our fingers in our ears and listening to ourselves. You know the term stiff-necked people? I love that term, stiff-necked people. Scripture uses it several times to be obstinate and difficult to lead. Scripture is very clear that we are a stiff-necked people. And yet, God loves us, even when, when we're ungrateful and stiff-necked. God does not stop that love at the okay mark. God does not stop that love at the minimum requirements. God does not stop with the love that society expects. But rather, God loves us at the highest level, at the level of giving of himself. In a few moments, we'll leave this place. And as we do, we'll be reminded one more time of the mission and ministry of First United Methodist Church of Beaumont to love this city. How? With the heart of Christ. Not as quid pro quo. Not just as okay, not just as the world around us expects, not just at minimum standards, but with the heart of Christ. My friends, the question I have with you is, can you do it? Can I do it? Can we do it? Let us pray. Lord, we offer ourselves to you as a weak, unworthy 
undeserving people who you have called into service. Guide us, equip us, and lead us to love with the heart of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.